Hi, hello my dear friends and welcome. I'm Charlie and straight away I want to thank you for joining me today. Over a decade ago, I was at death's door when God reached down from heaven and touched me with his love. His love poured life into my body and healing into my heart. Since that day, understanding the vastness of God's love has become a delightful daily adventure in which I've come to know Him as a kind and gracious Heavenly Father. I want you to join me on this incredible journey. The deeper we dig into our Father God's love for us, the more we will experience the overcoming, victorious, and abundant life that His Son, Jesus Christ, came to give us. That's His heart's desire for you, and that's mine as well. What you're about to hear is a portion of a church service that was recorded right here in my very own living room. And we want you to join in with us. Because Jesus said this in Matthew 18, verse 20, he said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Notice that Jesus didn't say anything about the physical location. He simply said that we gather together in his name. So whether it's just you and a neighbor or you and your immediate family, or maybe it's just you right now, but see, you're joining together with us in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord sees. He sees that your spirit's joining with us in his name. And so you can expect that his presence is right there with you. So we want you to join in with us, join in our prayers, join in our celebration of the Lord. And at the end, when we receive the Lord's Supper, we invite you to partake of that as well. Get your bread ready and your juice together so that you can celebrate our Lord with us. So I pray that you will be encouraged, that you will be blessed, and most of all, that you will see our Lord and Savior in a new and a more intimate way today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive. And God is good. And one more time, God is good. And Jesus is alive. Ooh, yes, he is. Jesus is alive. And um, that is what we are celebrating, right? This whole week, how he died for us. And then God raised him back up out of the grave. And that is so significant for us because it's Jesus coming back out of the grave that gives us the assurance that our sins have been completely dealt with once and for all. Because when he went into that grave, he was carrying our sins. And when he came out of the grave, he didn't have them anymore. And that shows us that we're forgiven. We're taken care of. Hallelujah. Amen. So for our um, word today, we're going to be in some very familiar territory in Matthew 21. Hey. Yeah, sounds familiar, right? Yeah. In Matthew 21, uh, we have where Jesus is, of course, coming into Jerusalem. And this is what we celebrate as Palm Sunday. It's also called his triumphal entry because as he's coming into the city, 
We know that his disciples and many of the other people were shouting for joy over all the mighty works they'd seen God do through him. And they were celebrating him like a king, like the king that he is. But even as we heard today and as we see in the, in the scriptures, he is a king who does have a right to come in riding on the best of horses, a war horse usually, which were incredibly expensive and valuable. And instead he comes in on a donkey, which is the transportation of a servant. Because Jesus is our king, but yet he came to serve us. And just a few verses back in Matthew 20, verse 28, he tells us that himself. He says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, for many. Oh, I love that for many. He came to give his life a ransom for many not just a few. When we get to heaven, there's going to be multitudes that you can't even count is what it says in Revelations. He came and many are going to receive him, but he came to serve us. He didn't come for us to serve him. If Jesus wanted to be served, he could have just stayed in heaven, right? The angels in heaven serve him and they serve him perfectly. They don't complain. They don't have bad days. They don't have days they need to call in sick, right? Honestly, we make lousy servants. Honestly, the angels were serving him perfectly. No, he came down here so that he could serve us. And how far was he willing to serve us? All the way to the cross, giving his life for us. And he demonstrates that right after he says, I came to serve you, what does he do? But it says that he heals two blind men, gives them their sight. Healing people is another form of service. He is serving them. He went around his whole ministry serving people, serving them, healing them. So he says, I came to serve. He shows us he came to serve. He rides a donkey like a servant. And then the first thing he does, even though, I mean, like, I think about this. I'm like, okay, to try and put it in perspective for us, like if you're a sports fan or play sports, right? And it's like you're on a team and it's a big game. It's a championship game. You know, I love soccer, played soccer. I just kicked the winning soccer goal, right? Or you play football, you just got the winning touchdown and the crowd goes crazy and they storm onto the field and they pick you up on their shoulders and they're, you know, they're just shouting and everyone's excited. And then you decide to stop and get down and wash their feet. Because that's what Jesus did. Everyone's shouting his praises because he is the king and he deserves that. But then the next thing he does is go right back to serving us again. He goes into the temple, and that's where we're going to pick up in 21, verse 12 of Matthew. He says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. 
And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And I'll tell you why I say this is an act of service is because what these people were doing, you know, like, a, like we've learned, all these people have come into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And even right now, Jewish people all around the world are celebrating the Passover, right? So they come to the temple, but then the religious leaders of the day tell them, you have to use our coin. And you, so you have to transfer whatever coin you have into our coin. And then when they did that, they would devalue their money and give them less. So they were cheating them. And not only that, but I love this. It says, it specifically says that he looked at those who were selling doves. Now, if they were selling doves, because there were three different sacrifices you could bring. You could bring a bull, which is what the very wealthy brought. You could bring a lamb, which was basically middle class. Or you could bring a dove, and that was for the poor. However, God's desire has always been to have relationship with us. We see that from the beginning. He created this world. He put Adam and Eve in it out of the abundance of his love and to have relationship with us. And they were so intimate with each other. God would come every evening to walk and talk with them. And we know that they were so intimate that Adam and Eve even knew just the sound of God's feet walking in the garden because they ran from that. So they were used to spending time with him. They were used to hearing him come to them. Right? So then because of what they did, they broke that relationship. But God still wants it. From the minute we messed it up, God has spent all the rest of our history trying to restore and give us back into relationship. And so we have the sacrifices. So people could bring sacrifices to the temple so that they could be back in relationship. They could expect God's blessings so that their sins could be covered over. And because God so desires that, he had the sacrifice of the doves. Because doves in Israel are plentiful. We have been there and we've seen them. They're everywhere. They're easy to catch. Even the kids could catch them. So it was something that poor people could bring that they didn't have to pay for. But what was happening is they were bringing their doves and the religious leaders, the priests would find fault with their doves and make them purchase these other doves. So where God had made the way to come to him easy and free. These religious leaders had made it hard and difficult and demanding. And I wonder too, when Jesus looked at this, if he thought about his own parents, because his own parents, when a Jewish woman gave birth to, uh, to her firstborn, she took a sacrifice to the temple. And Jesus' own parents were so poor that that sacrifice that Mary and Joseph took was a pair of doves. And I wonder, because he's 100% God, but he's 100% human too. Did he look at these people keeping the poor away and think about his own parents and how they would have felt if they'd come to the temple to make a sacrifice and been turned away because they couldn't afford it? And in Mark, it actually tells us that he showed up, he looked at everything that was going on, and that because the hour was late, he left. This was not an out-of-control 
rage, anger moment like we have. He actually left and went to the Mount of Olives. And we know that he, every evening, he prayed with his father. And every morning, he prayed with, his, with, with the father. And then he came back the next day to deal with what was going on in the temple. And the Bible says in Ephesians, be angry, but do not sin in your anger. There is a righteous place for anger. His anger was righteous. People were being abused. They were being cheated. And so he had a righteous anger. But look what he did first. He still took it to his father first. If we want to move in that same way, take it to our father first. It's okay if you get angry, if you're upset, whatever emotion you're having, the devil will tell you you shouldn't be feeling that way. Take it to God. Tell him he knows anyways. Talk to him about it. And he'll give you wisdom. He'll comfort your heart. So that's what Jesus did. And he came back the next day and he cleared out this temple and said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. So what he was doing was he was opening the way back up so that the people could come to God. And we can experience this even today. If we hear teachings or we, or, we, or we hear things that make God sound like he's demanding or he's harsh or he's judgmental, anything that's trying to create a barrier between you or God, it's the same spirit again. Jesus is saying, I came and removed all that. At the cross, he completely removed all that. This whole incident is like a precursor. It's like a little, a little preview of what's about to happen at the cross, that Jesus came and removed all barriers so that we could come to God. It's free and it's easy for us because it cost him the greatest price. Amen. And look at this. Right after he did that, it says, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. He healed them. See, these, this, all this bad thinking was keeping the people from coming to God. And so Jesus was sweeping that out, getting rid of it. That's what I mean. He was always serving us. And I love that these, these blind and lame people understood that Jesus' anger was not at them. It was for them. And immediately they came to him and he was able to heal them. And when we have greater understanding of how much our God loves us and how much he's paid so that he can freely bless us, then we'll do the same thing. We'll come closer and closer and receive more and more from him because that's his heart's desire for us. And so what Jesus was showing us is that one, he has the power, right? He has the ability. I love thinking about this. Think about the men that he confronted. These are obviously greedy, selfish men. And yet Jesus by himself, separated these greedy, selfish men from their money. I mean, come on. That's power. That's authority. But there's, it would do us no good if God has all the power and all the authority but wasn't willing to use it for us, right? But Jesus is demonstrating that, that I am willing to use all my power and all my authority on your behalf. 
Again, that's exactly what he did at the cross. He said, I have the power to save you and I love you so much that I'm going to save you. And then that's what he did. And every time that we join together and we receive communion, we're taking part of that. What we're holding in our hands is a reminder, it's a reenactment, it's a demonstration that God not only has the power to save me, but he loves me enough that he wants to save me. Hallelujah. And that's to salvation of our souls. And then just as we saw salvation of our bodies as well, salvation of our minds, salvation of our emotions. He's got the power and he's got the love. And all we do is we come and we feast on it with him. Amen. So, so we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We will pray over the bread and receive that together and then pray over the blood and receive that together. So um, let's everyone just uh, repeat after with me. Uh, Dear Jesus, I thank you that you took all my sicknesses, all my pains, all my weaknesses, and you bore them in your very own body at the cross. You became cursed so that I could be blessed. I now receive your resurrection life. It flows throughout my body, bringing me health, wholeness, strength, and youth. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. I thank you that you gave up your life for me, that you cut the new covenant of grace and peace in your blood. I am forever forgiven and righteous. I am forever a beloved child of God. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo! Yes! The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 My friend, if you're listening to this today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I'd like to give you that opportunity right now. Just know that you aren't listening by chance. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much that He set this up. This is a divine appointment because He wants to come into relationship with you. And that is done through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John 3:16, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. That's you and me, my friend. He so loved us that he sent his one and only begotten son that whoever should believe in him would have eternal life. That's his promise to you. And he goes on to say that he did not send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to condemn the world, 
but that through him we might be saved. God wants to offer you salvation and he wants to offer you a relationship with him. And that's what I'm inviting you to join in today. This is not a religion. This is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts or rule keeping. And this isn't about you trying to make yourself better or clean yourself up. That's what Jesus is going to do for you. So if you would like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I invite you to just simply say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you came from heaven so that you could take my sins, that at the cross you actually became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. You became a curse so that I could become blessed. At the cross, you took all my sins of my entire life, my past, my present, and my future. And you took those sins into the grave. And three days later, you rose without them, proving that I am now justified in God's eyes. I receive you as my sacrifice. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your one and only Son to save me. I am now a beloved child of God. I am forever forgiven and I am forever righteous. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer, you are now part of the kingdom of God. You are part of his family and welcome. You are a beloved child to him, which means you share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. You can expect to receive God's favor on you, unmerited, undeserved favor on you every single day. And as the Bible says in Proverbs, your days shall grow brighter and brighter even as the rising sun. Be blessed. You are highly favored. You are deeply loved and you are greatly blessed by your Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.